welcome to a very special episode of the Red Bull Rants, the U.S. Soccer Edition. I'm Pat McDonald. I'm Pete Urich. I'm Pedro Gomes. And this is episode number something. I don't know. Either way, we're talking about the U.S. soccer coming up. Uh, tomorrow night, we have the U.S. facing Belgium out in Cleveland. Uh, a couple of interesting stories uh, to go into this game, although even though the game doesn't is essentially meaningless. Uh, the big one coming up is that, you know, right going up to this game, we've suffered a number of injuries. Corey Ash is out now. Uh, Breck Shea is out. And Maurice Adu. Uh what do you guys think? Do you think there's any, you know, effect from these injuries long-term or short-term? Mm. Yes. I mean, there has to be, right? I mean, only because we were so thin already in especially the midfielder position. Uh, and you're taking out Breck Shea and Maurice Adu. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be a little thin out there. Yeah, I think the, I think the one that uh, probably is going to affect the most is the guy who's actually least hurt is probably Breck Shea at the moment just because that extra – you know, wide presence that we aren't getting enough service out of uh, out of the wide players. The center of the midfield, I think we're in pretty good shape. Adu, we've got a few different options to replace him. But, uh, yeah, I think Shea is the one that hurts the most at the moment. I'm looking, I'm looking at this roster right now, and we basically have 20 guys left on this roster. Guys, I want to remind you, you can only dress 18. <laughs> Yeah, it, it should be interesting. I mean, I will say this much. I mean, it is, after all, just a friendly, and some of our stronger players are not coming in until, you know, after this game. Um, you know, if you're looking for – if you live and die by wins at a friendly, then you absolutely should be worried about this game. Marcus Belgium is a really solid squad. I mean, you know, they got Fellaini from uh, from Everton. They got um, – What's his name from uh, Chelsea? Uh, goes to show how much I know about European Company. soccer. Vincent, but... Vincent, Vincent Company. <laughs> there you go. Oh, he's uh, uh, he's not he's not from no, he's, um, he's Manchester City. Yeah, there, there's uh, what's he's talking name? about the, from the striker from Chelsea, Ed, Ed, Eden Hazard. Yeah, there you go. And that so guy. <laughs> you know that guy, whatever, whatever that guy. his name is. That 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 little guy. You know, so they got a tremendous team coming to Cleveland. So if you're literally looking for a win. Or a you know against Belgium, then yeah, absolutely, there's something to worry about. But like long term for the you know qualifiers, uh, I'm not particularly worried. I mean, Danny Williams, uh, Fabian Johnson, Edgar Castillo, Jose uh, or um, Joe Corona, and uh, Michael Bradley all come in after this game. They'll face the German B team that's going to play in RK. So I'm not too worried. Um, one suggestion I did read on. ProSoccer.com or ProSoccerTalk.com, NBC Sports's uh, soccer blog was that it's time to call Landon Donovan back into the fold. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Um, from a coaching perspective, I think it's uh, I, I know why uh, I know why Klinsman's not going to do it. But do we need him? I think we I think he could help. But really, to be honest with you, I haven't seen him play recently uh, against the Red Bulls. I don't know that he's done anything yet that really warrants a, a call up at this moment. That's extremely impressive. Um, I know why Klinsman's kept him out of the fold at the moment, and I think he's got to eat that pill for the moment anyway until Donovan does something to really prove that he deserves it. Yeah, I mean he's he's been playing okay. I think is um, you know he's definitely been playing better of late. Let's put it like that. I think this last game he kind of uh, showed that you know he can be back in form. Um, he's not doing anything to say he can't help the team, that's for sure. Um, you know, I mean, 
he's not he's not going to get called in. I, I think every I think it's almost now hitting the point where every time we talk about Land Donovan and, and making this roster, it's kind of getting to the point where it's almost like you know the World Cup in 2022, you know, not being played in Qatar. It's like listen, it's going to be played there. You know, we're just going to have to deal with it. It's going to be really hot. So stop teasing us with the possibility of it going somewhere else. You know, stop talking about Land Donovan making this roster. Jurgen Klinsmann's been pretty clear about it. He's not going to call him in. So whether we cry about it, whether we're sad about it, whether we think he can help or he can't help, he's not going to be there. So let's figure out who we do have and let's move on. And and like you said earlier, I mean, we have enough people to make it through these next qualifying games. Okay, I mean, Jamaica, Panama, Honduras. Honduras will be very tough. But it'll be at home. Panama, again, it'll be CenturyLink Field. Good team, but we definitely have a home field advantage there. The only one that could be a little bit of a tricky game would be Jamaica. We had a lot of trouble when we went there in the first round, or in the last round. And so, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a game where we could kind of trip up, maybe. Yeah, I I mean, I'm I'm generally with you. Uh, You know, Landon Donovan has not proven... Um, at this point that he is worthy of a call up. Graham Zuzzi is a better player. Sasha Kleshin is a player at, better player at this point. Um, so I'm with you. It definitely does not make sense, sense to call him up, but I, I did, uh, one little side note you did bring up. You brought up the home field advantage at Seattle. And, uh, this is actually something we talked about at Rebel Rant a long time ago, but one of the main reasons to, Eschew the idea, uh, the plan to play any game World Cup qualifier on a non-grass field was to give us the home field advantage of 60-something thousand fans in Seattle uh, rooting and making a loud atmosphere for the U.S. national team. Word is that they've only sold about thirty-two to 34,000 tickets for that game. Um, what do you guys think about that? Do you think that that lack of support should automatically wipe out uh, Seattle as ever hosting a game again unless they transition to a grass field. I don't know that it really should, you know, I don't think that this is a, a one and done type of thing. Um, I don't know. It, it's hard to, it's hard to say whether uh, Seattle is a truly soccer, you know, city or is it that they're just a truly Sounders city? You know, it, I, I think the thing is, is it, it might be a good uh, fit for the national team, but since this is the first time, you know, it, it's hard to to put all your eggs into one basket. I think that this is, you know, a good a good start at least, a good shot at it. But you know, I, I don't think that it's a, a a one and done type of thing that you just say, oh well, that just didn't work the way that we're, it was supposed to. And you know, Columbus is now our home, or Kansas City is our home. I, I think that you got to give it a, another shot at least one more try. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that. Um, I mean, I, I think they'll sell it. I, I think they cap the capacity at forty-five, maybe forty. 40 something mid 40s I believe is what they capped it. I think they will sell out. Um I think you'll have a lot of um walk ups. I think what I've heard is that the price is kind of deterring some some folks from coming because uh there are obviously higher price tickets than the uh, uh typical Sounders match. So I think just the higher price is keeping people away, but I think some last minute guys will probably walk up and you know they'll they'll, they'll fill that place. What's interesting for me is that maybe Seattle is like the opposite of New York where it's you know, New York supports, uh, you know, we're, we're big on international friendlies. We support the hell out of those. We can fill up giant stadium with no problem. Um, but we can't seem to be an MLS town. You know, we can't be an MLS supporter, uh, rich uh, city, you know, only a few miles south, you know, down, down the turnpike there. So it's interesting. I, I feel as though Seattle is like our, uh, 
our, our, the negative to our positive in this picture, you know? I mean, here's the thing. Here, here's my point. I mean, I went to, uh, I was at the, um, I was at the, uh, the snowball. US game, the snowball. I was there. I, I managed to go to that game in Denver and, you know, that has been, Denver has been criticized for being a terrible soccer city. Uh, nobody cares, but that game sold out in less than a day. I don't remember the exact time and people were standing on their feet the entire game. Um, so I mean, it's also, it's also a much smaller stadium, though. It is a much smaller stadium, but the fact of the matter is, like you know, when we first talked about this, it was like two weeks after the tickets aren't gone on sale, and they'd only sold twenty three thousand. So I'm just thinking, like, with the passion they display for these Seattle Sounders games, it just feels like they should be selling out for a U.S. national game if they're going to be the only purpose to hold this a qualifier in a football stadium is if you're going to have sixty thousand screaming american soccer fans to just completely intimidate the opposition i mean that that's just my opinion there i don't know yeah well i I think the also the problem it creates it's it's like they you know they were talking about when we started to go to soccer specific stadiums is at the moment you know everybody who wants a ticket pretty much knows that they're going to get one you know with with a stadium that holds sixty thousand or whatever they're cutting it off at 45 you know you're pretty much not guaranteed, but, you know, there's no real impetus to, to try and, you know, get one the first day. That's why you had to get one the first day in Colorado because there's only, you know, 20 some odd that you can get. So, you know, it's, it's that uh, supply demand type of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I still think they're going to sell it out though. I, I, I don't, I think at come June, when is it the 11th? Yeah. Come the 11th, I, I'm pretty sure we'll be seeing a packed house. Um, if 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 they are still having problems selling the tickets, uh, I'm, I'm sure they'll start doing some social media type of uh, deals, you know, uh, that we see a lot with, um, you know, s- events where they're looking to fill capacity. So I, I think we'll have that uh, that crowd there. I think we'll have that home field advantage, and it'll be what everyone thought it would be. And um, at the end of the day, you know, we'll come away with three points. I have no doubt about that. All right. Well, let's uh, move back to the upcoming fixtures. Um, one of the big things that, you know, the, we've always noticed about uh, Eric Klinsman is his ability to kind of learn from his or lack thereof to learn from his previous experiences. Uh, last year, it was kind of obvious that after three friendlies, uh, the U.S. national team burned itself out uh, going against the all-important qualifiers. What do you expect to see in these upcoming uh, friendlies between Germany and Belgium? Do you, I mean, are you happy to see that there's only two? Uh, do you think you'll be playing more of a um, kind of a reserve team, or what do you think? What do you expect? I think that I mean, this is just my personal opinion. I think the Belgium game is almost a. Uh, I want to view it as a throwaway kind of thing. You know, not that it's not a, an important game. You know, you you have your national team out there and everything like that. But ultimately, with the lack of all of your first team guys and everything like that, and it not being an opponent that particularly, you know, is marquee or anything, I, I don't see it as a game where, you know, I, as a U.S. fan, would be all that upset if we didn't win or anything like that. And I think that the Germany game is almost uh, the more important of the two, but it, it's, again, it's uh, it's all looking towards that game on June the 7th. And the unfortunate thing is I think that when you play against Germany on June the 2nd and then you play against Jamaica on June the 7th, they're totally different games, totally different opponents, and it's almost like you know a total switch of how you have to play those games. So the the two warm-up games, uh, I'm almost saying they almost don't fit with with what you want to do for the, the qualifiers that are coming up. Yeah, for me... 
it's going to be a very difficult, um, you know, like, like you talked about, it's going to be, it's going to be very difficult to switch the mentality to switch from putting on a show to getting down to business, essentially such a short turnaround, you know, and they're traveling from DC all the way down to Kingston, Jamaica, which is not a, not a small distance. Um, so that, that'll be kind of a, that, see, that, that's the only reason why I think this is going to be kind of a trap game. I think if, if we're going to lose a game, I, I think we could actually trip up in Jamaica only because we have a very thin squad for Belgium, even though we're getting reinforcements for Germany a few days later. If you play those guys, you know, they're coming off of the end of their, their own season. I don't know how much they've been training exactly. They're flying across the country. They're, they're probably going to play a half or maybe the whole Germany game. Who knows? Um, and then they're going to have to go down to Jamaica and turn around and switch that mentality, get their bodies right. And we already have a thin roster. So, um, you know, I don't know. I, I feel as though the Belgium-Germany game, really, what those really were, is as usual for friendlies in America with the national team. They're advertisements for the Belgian and German national team. They're money grabs. You know, they're opportunities for uh, U.S. soccer to make some dough. Um, unfortunately, I don't like the way... I just don't like the way the roster is laying out and the kind of compressed schedule that's going to have to happen in, for that. So I don't know if Klinsman's learned his lessons about, you know, kind of overworking his guys. And you know how he likes to train hard. So I don't know. I, I feel like Jamaica is going to be a very big disappointment. Let's put it like that. Yeah, the only thing I can say on a positive note is that uh, that I like about a few things that are going on is that three out of our back four are time zone appropriate players i think that was one of our biggest problems especially with honduras um is that you know beasley beasler and cameron are not cameron i'm sorry gonzalez are all time time zone appropriate players so they don't end up having as much of a, a jet lag and everything like that so i think that's a good thing the problem is is you know how much are you going to get out of Bradley when he comes? You know, he just finished up with the Copa Italia this weekend, um, and he didn't even look that great in that game, in my opinion. You know, and it's those types of players that worry me. I'm not so worried about us getting scored upon. I'm more worried about us where are we going to produce the goals from because, you know, getting Dempsey, Altidore, you know, Gomez is in the right in the right uh, time zone. But those guys, getting them into the fold quickly and then putting them into a position – where they're going to produce something that's valuable to us. You know, I, I don't know if the amount of time that we have until uh, the Jamaica game is enough, but, you know, for them to get acclimated, it, it might just be under the wire, but I don't know. Well, you, you know, you bring up a good point right there. Uh, Josie Altidore is a name that's on the tip of every American fan's uh, tongue, and, you know, he's it's been a while since he's been maybe not useful, but like a goal-scoring threat for the United States national team. Considering a year ago his club refused to release him to shut up, you know, out of shape. Um, what do you think? I mean, he just came off a tremendous season. What do you think the next step for this guy is? Do you think this is the summer he's starting to start uh, producing for the national team? Do you think he's going to stay in the Netherlands? Do you think he's going to move on? Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Josie out the door. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see any difference out of Josie Altidore's game for the national team unless we change our style of play or put or find a better uh, partner for him or somebody who can actually work, connect with him better through the midfield um, or work better up top with him. And so those happen. I mean, Josie as an individual player, he's fine, you know. Um, you know, his individual game is only going to get better. It's a matter of integrating him into this system. I don't see it really working. Um, so, you know, if, if 
if we try and go up top with him alone again, as it's kind of that target guy or, um, or just put him up there on an island again, you know, Josie Island and, um, it's not going to work and we're not going to see any goals out of him. It's going to be the same old, same old. Um, but should he move? I don't know. I don't think he should move yet. I think one more season, maybe in in uh, Holland, will will do something good for him. If hopefully he can, you know, lift some silverware, um, you know, make you know, fight for like a championship spot or something. Or um, I think that would be kind of good for him mentally. Instead of, I feel like he's been moved around so much in his career so early that he's finally found something good. Let him stay there for a couple more seasons and really build that confidence. Yeah, I, I think the thing with. Uh with Josie is exactly what you just said is the main thing for him is the pairing. And I think we talked about this last time when uh, Pedro and I were both on together. It was nobody has really paired well with him since Charlie Davies got hurt. You know, that was the, that was when Josie was at his best is when he and Davies were together because Davies was, Davies was the runner and he was the guy who was the standalone and they just were a really nice pair for one another. Um, read an article today talking to Josie and he, uh, I think he's going to end up in Germany. I think that's where he really wants to be because of all the uh, all the teams that are doing well in Germany. And he was talking about the training and everything like that. I, I think that's where he's going to end up. Um, it's one of those things where, and you talked about his uh, career in Europe being kind of spotty so far. It's something, um, there's a book called Soccernomics. I don't know if you guys have read it, but basically... It's uh, it talks about a bunch of different things with regards to professional players and their development and everything. And one of the things that it talks about is the fact that, you know, a lot of players, when they move to a different country or a different, you know, area, they end up having like a two to three year lag in their performance because of the fact that they got to get used to language, monetary systems, yada, yada, yada. And I think that's really what happened with uh, with Josie, especially in Spain and England, not so much. I think that that was just kind of a weird situation, but he uh, he's finally found himself like, you know, his European kind of mojo, if you will. And I could see him going to a place in some place in Germany and, and doing well. I don't think he's going to get scooped up by one of the big clubs, but I could see him going to a mid-table club and, and, you know, doing relatively well. Yeah, I definitely think that um... – I do think he's going to move on this season, uh, whether it be to Germany, which would be nice as they now just seem to be the league at the moment. That'd be great. Or if the English Premier League, I, that being said, no matter what, uh, the big four over there in, uh, big four European leagues, uh, wherever he ends up, I think he needs to end up in like a mid table squad. That'd be the best transition from the Netherlands and whatnot. Um, I think that would work for him the most. Um, let's talk some other, Men's national team news. Uh, Tim Howard has been the goalkeeper for a long time around here. Um, but let's not forget Brad Guzan was tremendous in his two starts, uh, when Howard was hurt back in March. And Klinsman has called in in a large number of keepers for these friendlies and whatnot. Where does Tim Howard stand? Uh, I mean, yes, I personally think he's going to be the man for a while, but where does he stand right now? Is he on notice at all? Like, does he need to, you know, be lights out here, or is Guzan on his heels, or are some of these young keepers going to replace him anytime soon? What do you guys think? I, I think, think he – go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think Tim Howard's going to stop playing when Tim Howard wants to stop playing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's about it, really. I mean, you know, Guzan can push him all he wants, but – He's definitely never going to push him out of the way. Yeah, I, I think the thing is, is at, up until the injury, Tim Howard was the number one without 
without doubt, you know, and now it's not a situation where there's a keeper competition. It's more like it's Tim Howard's job to lose if he was to go to, you know, have some real poor form or something like that. He's in a he has the possibility of competition, but Guzan can't take that job by himself just by, you know, playing well in practice. Tim has to do something to cause the losing of that job. And and I just don't see it happening. Yeah. And I think, I think like you're saying, I mean, more importantly though, is the question it answered was, we always knew who was number one, but I think we all kind of didn't know exactly who was number two. Mm -hmm. And I think Brad Guzan, you know, let it be known that he is the number two. It's not Romando. It's not Johnson. It's not Hamid. It's nobody else. It's, Brad Guzan is number two. I think that was what really – that was a question he truly answered, who number two was. And, and I think the the calling in of six keepers has nothing to do with competition. It's more it's more about competitive spirit, if you will. Like Klinsman's all about the teaching of you know what it takes to be a professional. And I think that that's more of what he's trying to show to Sean Johnson and Hamid and those guys – taking them into the fold and look at these are the two guys that you really want to model yourself after and that's why you're here you're not here to compete for a spot you're here to see what it takes to compete for a spot now here's what i think i would say right now it's uh between tim howard and guzan i would say tim howard's goalkeeper one and i would say guzan is more goalkeeper one a um i've seen some suggestions on the internet i want to see what you guys think about it some people suggesting that we, because Tim Howard's been the best keeper and pretty good, that we've overlooked some of his flaws. So with the emergence of Guzan, I mean, I know you both just said that you don't think he's going to dethrone Howard. Do you, do you think maybe we have overinflated uh, Tim Howard's ability in a keeper, or do you think he really is as good as we as advertised? I think he's definitely had some shaky games lately, more than uh, usual. I think his uh, his constant form his top constant top-notch form i definitely slipped a little bit recently in the last year or so um there's been some times where he's like wow that's definitely not a tim howard type of decision or tim howard type of save or a tim howard type of handle but overall his level of play is still good enough or great enough so that you know you don't ever feel worried that he's in goal it's just he hasn't looked his Superman type of self where every single game it's like, oh, there goes the obligatory Tim Howard, you know, save the U.S. men's national team's ass kind of save again. You know, he every once in a while now lately he, he may have a an okay game or a mediocre game. Yeah, uh, I'd like to see him score more goals personally. Um <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have the one for Everton, so you know. I know. Hey. I know. He's only scored one in in a while. Now, um, you know, I think the thing is, is you know, he's what now thirty. I'm trying to think of how old he is. He's something like thirty four or thirty five. Yeah, something yeah, I like think that. Thirty four or thirty five. I'll, I'll double check for you guys while you talk. Yeah, but um, you know, he's definitely not past his prime yet. He's he's probably in the. On the start of a downward slide, if uh, if you want to call it that, you know, obviously uh, you've got Friedel who's still playing. He's like 54, um, <laughs> but Guzan is is the next up and comer, and you know the other guys uh, are are the, an afterthought, and you know guys in training. But you know, as soon as Tim you know starts to starts to decline a little bit, you've got Guzan to go in, and. I don't know that we're overlooking any of uh, Tim's problems, particularly. I think it's that at the moment, any problems that he has are 
not as not as big as problems than anybody else has, you know. And he's, as uh, a, he's thirty four. Sorry, he's yeah. literally he's thirty four. No, that's I, I knew he was around there. So, um, but you know, I, I don't think we're overlooking too too much from Tim Howard at the moment. He's he's still a solid keeper, and he probably will be for a few more years now. By the way, he makes a good two point six million bucks a year, according to Wikipedia. Not too bad. It's not bad at all. Uh, yeah, send me some of that money. That's- <laughs> what do you think? What do you think Clinto makes? Ooh, uh, five. It's a fun, it's a fun little game. Five million. Max uh, guess. I, I don't think so. I think he's probably around the three mark. Ooh. Any other? Any other suggestions out there? <laughs> Next, some talking tonight. <laughs> yeah, actual actual retail price for Clint Dempsey: seven point four million dollars. Nice. Hey, I get to go to the bonus round for not going over. Boom. <laughs> so someone should have guessed five million and one dollar. According to Wikipedia, who makes more money, Landon Donovan or Tim Howard? Landon does, I guess. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Landon, right? Yeah, two point four for good old Landon Donovan, which honestly surprises me, to be honest. Ah, uh, his previous form, I would say it's worth it, but his current form, not at all. Yeah. Oh, actually, no. Tim Howard makes more by two hundred thousand. He was at two point six. Lennon's at two point four. Oh. I guess I guess I was right. Is that? I mean, I just figured you know EPL kind of an established hero at Everton. I figured he'd be making more than Lennon Donovan, but um, and he does, but barely. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. If uh, Donovan actually you know decided he loves soccer again and wanted to go overseas, I think you know then he'd probably make more than Tim Howard. But love soccer. <laughs> I hope he's just happy. I just want him to be happy, guys. You know, I just <laughs> I just want him to stop being sad. I mean, I feel like there's so much sadness in the world that you know we, we don't need Landon. We don't need sad Landon. I want happy Landon. I want he no. just. He just yeah. always seems sad to me anyway, though. You know what I think? Happy guy. You know what I think? I think fuck that. Find yourself after 2014 and win us a fucking World Cup. That's my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I think <laughs> the, the one weird thing, and I read, I forget who wrote this today. Uh, I was reading. I don't know if they wrote it today, but I, I was reading it today, was that some Klinsman was under scrutiny because Chirundolo decided not to get called into this camp because he was rehabbing and basically wanted to look at you know not not getting re-injured in order to you know be ready for next season and they were kind of looking at that as like a slight to land in because of the fact that Klinsman isn't holding that against Chirundolo like I, I don't I don't see the two as equal but you know it's it was an yeah. article yeah I, I I don't see how they're the same you know you're going to Somalia or wherever he went to find yourself versus I'm rehabbing from injury and I want to be you know be able to still be gainfully employed. I don't know. Uh, I think think Landon was playing soccer against Cambodian beach children, if I'm not mistaken. Which, let me tell you, very talented, by the way. (laughs) Those guys, really good juggling skills. No, I mean, yeah, I think that's just a very – that's apples and oranges, that comparison. I mean, that's just somebody looking to kind of bring up that point again. But, you know, listen, mental health is a serious issue. I'm not going to lie. But come on, dude. Come on. Mm -hmm. Come on. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, really, what do you, again, I, what do you really have to be so sad about? It, it's, yeah, it's one of I mean, at the things. end of the day, it's like, I, I get it, you're sad, but there's a, there's a lot worse things out there, buddy. Yeah. But that's well, actually, my answer. <laughs> Coming from uh, a guy who spent 15 months in the beautiful country of Iraq. Come ooh. on, dude. Come on, dude. That's my answer on that one. The glorious land of uh, Babylonia. Or, yeah. Well, not anymore. I'll, I'll, but. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you a few memories of sadness, then we can talk. 
I still I probably, show up to work. Actually, I probably shouldn't laugh at that. I should probably go, oh. No, I, I, I still <laughs> show up to work, by the way, yeah. every day. I can imagine. I know, I, Cambodia probably is nice, though. Maybe I should go to Cambodia. Should I, I go imagine, to Cambodia? I imagine the beaches are all right. One of my best friends in college was Cambodian. He said it was beautiful. <laughs> I've never taken him up on the offer to actually see it, but uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe one day I'll go out there. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a Landon Donovan Cambodia tour. Like I, I I want there to be like markers. Like Landon Donovan sat on this bench and contemplated life for one hour. Landon Donovan <laughs> played soccer with 200 kids here and gave out five band aids. Landon Donovan <laughs> sat in this restaurant and cried for two hours and drank nothing but wine spritzers. <laughs> Yeah. Is it okay to make fun of Land Donovan again or not? Oh no, it's absolutely okay. Come on, it's you still know. okay, right? Yeah, I mean, he needs right now. What he needs is uh, he needs to, he need well. He, other than tampon, he needs uh, the gold cup to redeem himself. You know, yeah. where he, he's going to be the captain of that thing and win yep. that thing. Which, do you do you really want to know why it's okay to make fun of Land Donovan? He bought it on himself. Well, fine, that's true. But honestly, do you want to know why he's not the hero of every U.S. soccer fan? What's that? Because we're we're the United States of America. Our heroes don't cry. Damn right. <laughs> I mean, that's it's really honestly almost as simple as that. I mean, you could be a great guy. I know lots of normal guys who cry, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't put my heroes up on a pedestal if they get sad. Yeah, so, absolutely. Come on. The only time I saw Michael Jordan cry was when he was winning championships. <laughs> nothing true. wrong with that too by the way nothing wrong with that yeah i think that's that's really his only time that's where he's he's got to reestablish himself if he's ever going to get back into the national team at this point he's got to do it during the gold cup that's going to be he'll, his his opportunity he'll be back, he'll be back. he's going to be back is you know the, the whole point why this is kind of funny make fun of land on time because nothing's going to change he's going to be back he's going to be back for world cup 2014 he's going to have a great world cup and, you know, and we're all going to forget about it. this would be another one of those laughing, joking times where we could just make fun of Landy Cakes and just we'll move on, you know? Well, uh, speaking of coming back, uh, let's like, talk about the Gold Cup a little, just very briefly. Um, you know, uh, Pete mentioned one of the players before, uh, Steve Chirundolo. The other, you know, veteran who seems to be on his last legs is Carlos Bocanegra. Uh, <laughs> do, you, <Okay. laughs> do you think... Either, uh, I mean, do you think either one of those guys or Boca, do you think Bocanegra Swan Song will be the Gold Cup? Do you think he'll come back to MLS? And uh, Chirondel, if he rehabs in time, do you think he'll be there to help in the Gold Cup? No, Boca no, and no. Over. <laughs> Boca is done. And I, I love me happier. I love me some Boca, though. I love me some Boca. <laughs> I am so anti-Boca. <laughs> I've been anti Boca for years. Pat Your anti Boca is, is quite yeah documented. Yes, <laughs> everybody knows how anti Boca I am. But but uh, his his swan song has got to be up at this point. I mean, uh, the only the only time he should be in there is you know if we're trying to get him a number of caps or something like that. You know, it's like his farewell tour or something. Um, uh, he has you know, he has over a hundred. He's got the free watch. He's good to go. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no real sense in bringing him in with especially. Especially, you know, at this point with, you know, Omar at the back, you know, you don't need him. He's a slower, shorter version of what you've got at the moment. No point. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I love Carlos Bocanegra, but um, if he's going to be on a roster, it's for a Gold Cup. I see no problem with it. I honestly think he'd be a good Gold Cup roster guy to, to round out for a good veteran presence in the locker room, maybe even play a game or two, you know. Um, just so that I'm assuming we're going to go with a younger 
roster for the Gold Cup. You need guys like Bocanegra. He can still play. I mean, the guy still has working legs. It's not like he's all of a sudden forgot how to play soccer. Um, don't answer that, Pete. Um, and discuss. Yeah, but um, assuming he knew how. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we've had much worse. But um, yeah, I, I think he'd be a good addition on a, on a Gold Cup roster. I do, and I I don't think he'll be back in MLS. I really don't. I mean, I, I think that ship sailed last season. So you think he's gonna like just flounder in uh, Europe for the rest of his career? Yeah, he may end up playing on some PDL team in Germany. Yeah. We we don't <laughs> take France. aging American stars. We take aging European stars. We don't take any American stars. Are you kidding me? We have to raffle them off like some sort of like godsend. Like, oh, no, you can't have this guy with three U.S. men's national team camps. He's going to totally skew and tip the balance of this league. Really? Seriously? Come on. Last time I checked the draft allocation orders, like all the guys that came back on all of the allocation drafts, they really haven't been game changers. But no, the last person that you know came back that I actually thought Rob- might Robles. No, no, not <laughs> the dude had a cap. I think he actually had to go through the draft, dude. He does. Yeah, he does he have assigned. one whole cap. Yeah, yeah. He, and Fail- he was assigned through the allocation yeah. order. We had a trade for him or some shit like that. Yeah, Failhaber, I thought you know might actually have some kind of an impact, but he really has been a major dud. You know, he seems to play his best games at at, uh, U.S. national teams and, you know, every place else that he goes to play just kind of is a dud. So yeah, I think like his less, best years are behind him. He's a less famous Freddie Adu at times, mm-hmm. you know, where, actually, for some reason. Yeah, what's up? That, well, I was going to say, that actually brings up a good point. Is MLS actually a good option for U.S. national team players, considering some of the guys who come back from Europe and just kind of well, floundered a little? Um, yeah. I, I think the thing is, is uh, the guys who haven't left, I mean, if you look at the roster of what we've got going on right now, you know, Beasler, uh, Gonzalez, um, not so much Evans, uh, <laughs> Zussi, um, and then, yeah, well, he's been around, uh, the block a few times, Eddie Johnson, but, you know, the guys who have stayed here are, are developing, you know, they're, they're coming around, you know, I, I don't have a problem. I'm out of everybody on the roster for the most part, you know, I have real big faith in Zussi and Gon- and Gonzalez. And those are two guys who haven't gone anywhere really. You know, I mean, Gonzalez went to train and he got hurt <laughs> the first day in Germany when he stepped off the plane. But, you know, <laughs> other than that, you know, those two guys are guys that I actually semi believe in, in this camp, as opposed to in the past where it was like, this camp is everybody from Europe is coming back for their summer vacation. You know, this time around, it, it feels a little different, not a lot, but a little different. The MLS is actually, uh, you know, creating players that can help our national team a little bit at least. No, I agree. I think, I think MLS is a fine destination for a returning or an aspiring men's national team player. I've got no doubts about that. I just don't think Bocanegra at this point is. I, I, I don't, I, well, honestly, I don't know what he looks like because I haven't seen him playing so damn long. So nope. I don't know if he'll actually, Peter, <laughs> Peter, stop. <laughs> <laughs> he was not that terrible, Peter. Seriously. Well, 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 the team that he's on in France, they they don't do TV. <laughs> yeah. we, we we don't do uh, the TV. No, no TV. No, no, Monsieur. We don't do that. I don't um, even know where he is at the moment. Where is he? Is he still at racing? Whatever. Or? Yeah, I think racing. I think he's technically back in possession. He's now in the possession of Glasgow again. The Rangers. Oh, Racing sent him back. Yeah, racing sent him back. <laughs> well, racing got relegated, if I'm not mistaken, to the third level of the third tier of Spanish soccer. Yeah, all his fault. <laughs> all his fault. <laughs> anyway, no, but seriously, I, th- 
I think he'd be good. I think he'd be a welcome addition on 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 a lot of uh, MLS team rosters. To be honest, seriously, um, you know, anyone but the Red Bulls apparently, because Peter may have a heart attack. <laughs> No, that's all right. I'd just switch over to the Cosmos then at that uh, point. No, no harm, no foul, dude. They're an NASL team. There's no conflict there. You can support yeah. both, yeah. except for Open Cup time. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I I, th- I think it is. I, 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 th- I honestly would like to see more U.S. men's national team guys coming back to the league if there wasn't this stupid allocation draft. Yeah. More, but- of them would, more of them would come back. I, I'm yeah, telling you, that is the dumbest rule that still exists in MLS, by the way. And I don't care how you rationalize it, it's not effective. The proof is in the pudding. It is uh, it is causing more harm than good. End of story. Keep all of your league jargon out of my face. It's whatever. It's ineffective, and I'm yeah. sorry. And, and the, you know, like ineffective. Ob- yeah, obviously, in the last you know week or so, we've got a a good example of it's not working the way that it's supposed to, and you know, it's just fortunate that the whole Rob, Robbie Rogers thing worked out the way that it did. That you know, for whatever reason, they were they were able well, to you know. I know shift the reason. Something. The reason was because of the PR bump. I mean, this is a oh, this yeah. is a move that had to happen. I'm sorry, there's no way Robbie Rogers was not going to play for LA. Think mm-hmm. about the he's the publicity LA gets. First of all, he this player Robbie Rogers, the first openly gay player, has to play on LA. They are the most marquee name in MLS. If if MLS wants to be considered the, and the major league sport across all the major news outlets for this story to break as the first openly gay, whatever the title is that people are settled on, openly first openly gay male major league player, whatever, um, it had to be the Galaxy. It couldn't be Columbus. It couldn't be, no offense to Chicago, Chicago. It couldn't be any other team because nobody outside of soccer knows about them, but they kind of know about the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I slightly disagree there. I, I don't think it had to be the Galaxy. But the fact of the matter is if, I mean, I hate to say it, but to be perfectly blunt, if MLS wanted to capitalize on that PR move, they had to accommodate him. And uh, I don't know. I, I just finished watching a 30 for 30. I think it was uh, Elway from Marino about how the league jumped in, NFL jumped in to basically break up a, a trade. I'm telling you, those back office phones were ringing off the hook to get Robbie Rogers to play for L.A. Yeah. By hook and, and or crook, he was going to get there. I guarantee it. But the thing is, I, I the the process is a pain in the rear, and I think right. that the 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 situation with it being L.A. that was all about him being close to family and everything right. like that. Although the the PR side of it like helped out, if he was from I don't even know if he was from Columbus or something like that. I still think that deal would have gotten done regardless because of the PR. But ultimately, you know, it just so happened that it's also the marquee team and, you know, it had to work out and all that stuff. But, you know, it's just I I don't see where they're rationalizing to themselves where, you know what, this is this is good for the American game. I, I just can't see it because they are they're blocking players who probably would like to come back from coming back because of the. This. Who've openly admitted to it? Who have been on the league-sponsored podcast saying, "Yeah, I'd love to come back," but that whole situation just makes my head hurt. I mean, seriously, how many more players do you need to go on record and say that? I mean, it's just, it's, it's. At some point, you have to take a look at it and go, "Would I like Alejandro Bedoya for the Red Bulls playing on the wing?" Hell yeah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I like? Do we need a wide player with speed and can send across? And yes, I would love Alejandro Bedoya on that team, but. You know what? He's got to go through some Russian roulette, you know, and end up in, no offense again, Columbus, Columbus or something. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Or Chivas, even worse. 
Because his Absolutely. last name's Bedoya. Oh man, I love Chelis though. Man, <laughs> I, love, I love listening to that guy talk. <laughs> I, I, you're right. I got to give him credit. Yeah. He he he's awesome. He's almost. I mean, yeah, he's he's pretty good. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the, the allocation process at this point is. I, I assume once upon a time it was meant for good reasons, but at this point is now probably hurting both. MLS and the U.S. national team, and it needs to be done away with so these guys can choose to where they want to go. Yeah. Uh, in, in terms of Rogers specifically, um, I, I, you know, from people who brought up to me who were like, Hey, uh, so he is, uh, a gay guy playing for the, uh, MLS now. Like, I, I really think that that story would have come guy. out. Yeah. For that like, guy. Yeah. That yeah. Be- you know, that guy, like, Hey, uh, I saw, that on, guy is. I saw on the Actually, ESPN, you know, I saw on the ESPN that a gay guy's playing. Uh, well, what's that about? And I'm like, well, you know, we're an open league. What do you expect? But I, I think that story would have been on ESPN, whether he was playing in LA or Colorado. Um, that all being said, let's, uh, let's get some, good one, good one. (laughs) Let's all, let's all get to some predictions for these upcoming friendlies before we reconvene and do qualifier talk in maybe a week or so. Hopefully you guys are both on board for that. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, what are we, what are we looking for in these, these uh, friendlies coming up with both Belgium and Germany? Um, Belgium, I'm taking it, uh, as a loss. Uh, I think that we're going to drop, we're gonna drop it, not not by a lot, but I, you know, maybe a one nil. I don't I don't see us uh, putting together a whole lot of offense, so I, I'd say we're gonna drop uh, one nil to uh, to Belgium, and then Germany is going to be a little bit more lopsided in their favor, I think. Two uh, zero type of uh, type of deal in those two friendlies. Yeah, I don't see anything other than zero points out of these two matches. Uh, it all depends to me on when they decide to pull the mercy rule on us for the Belgian <laughs> game and just say, okay, all right, all you guys, you need to leave after this first half because uh, it's getting ugly out there. Uh, our, our only hope is, that, and I think what we're going to do to keep the score respectable, honestly, is I think we're just going to bunker in. I think we're going to get everybody behind the ball and we're going to play a counterattacking game. Um, that is the only way I think Klinsman leaves this game without huge amounts of, oh my God, the U.S. is absolutely terrible, um, comments after the game. For, for people who don't know the team, for people who don't yeah. know the situation, you know, people who just follow score lines, which let's be honest, that's the majority of any sports fan in this country. Guys, you just yep. look at the sports ticker at the bottom of the, uh, of ESPN, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and you don't want to see a five nothing, six nothing romp. Um, because first of all, most of the soccer, non-soccer fans don't even know what a friendly means. You know, they think every game is friendly. Um, so yeah, I think we're going to bunker in. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be terrible to watch, except that we're going to be getting pounded, pounded, pounded lefts, rights, uppercuts. And hopefully we can, you know, stay up on our feet and not get knocked down in the first half. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Actually, it's going to be a, it's going to be so much fun. So you got to score. You got to score for both games. Oh yeah. I'm going to go with honestly for the first game. Four nothing Belgium. Oof. Um, second game against Germany, I'll go three nothing. Uh, that's just awful. Uh, oh, <laughs> really? I mean, you really? I don't even see a score. Hey, look, goal. honestly, God, I I'm gonna go two nothing in Belgium. A loss. I'm actually gonna go for a one nothing win against Germany, considering what? Germany what? Germany is sending their B team. Germany is sending their B hey, team, and we got will have mixture. reinforcements. They've got a mixture. They got a little half and half in there. Yeah. Well, considering we'll have our first uh, team, I'm gonna say well, I'm gonna that, say nothing that, worse than a draw. For that game, we're gonna have Germany's B team too. They're called our our German American players. Well, that's just <laughs> it. So we'll have their we'll have their B team playing against their B team. <laughs> that's a good point. And I think our B team will win out. 
Fair, fair point. Fair point. Yeah. Okay. Touche. Our B team's better than your B team. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, alrighty there. Uh, I guess we've covered everything American soccer. We can wrap it up now. Either one of you guys have anything you want to leave off on, send off on? Uh, not in the face. Just, just, just don't hit us to the face too many times, Belgium. <laughs> no mas, no mas. Eh, at the moment, I mean, just looking at the names there, the main thing for me is just that we start to see some cohesiveness, you know. These two games mean absolutely jack crap (laughs) Uh, if if we walk out of uh here you know taking the taking the seven to nil hit that pedro is talking about uh and then come out and unleash all of our anger onto jamaica in a 7-0 romp and uh you know another beating on uh panama and honduras then really it doesn't matter that's that's the beauty of it. But personally, again, like I said at the beginning, I think that these these two uh, matches are poor poor warm ups for what we're about to see in the in the three games that actually mean something. All righty, and with that, we'll wrap up this special U.S. national team episode of the Rebel Rant. Uh, as you may know, you can follow all of us on Twitter. Uh, Pedro Gomes is at MLS Super Sub. Pete Curick is at P Herrick seven. I myself am PMACDA2. And the Rebel Rant is well at Rebel Rant. And of course you can visit our website at rebelrant.wordpress.com. Yeah, and if anybody's curious, uh do you mind if I plug something real quick? Plug away. Uh, all right. Uh yeah, well for tomorrow's uh off the bench, we're gonna have a special off the bench uh with uh let's just say a topic that'll be near and dear to many New York Red Bull supporters. We're gonna have a good little collection of uh soccer voices talking a very near and dear topic to Red Bulls. Absolutely. So stay tuned for that. I don't wanna exactly uh, I, can we, I can't I can't do, I gotta, do you wanna say who might be on the show? Oh yeah, sure. We're gonna have uh Lexi Lawless, we're gonna have go. Rob Stone. We're going to have mm-hmm. Jimmy Conrad and, of course, myself and Luke Lore. And we've had uh, both on this show, we've had Lawless and Conrad. They're both great guests. So, yes, absolutely, everybody. Check that out. But not for Pedro. <laughs> It'll be awesome. Yeah. I should have my son uh, my son, listening to your show because every time that R- Rob Stone is on the TV, he goes, not Rob Stone again. <laughs> <laughs> I love kid, me some ham bone. And the kids, <laughs> the kids seven. <laughs> oh, man. oh man! I'll let him know that. By the way. <laughs> All right, excellent. Well, for episode whatever number this is, I'm Pat McDonald, and we will see you later. Para, para, para. <laughs> <laughs> it's my closing sound like.